0: Hi and welcome back to Police Stories Podcast. I'm Dave and this is a series of short stories about my career in the British Police Force. Uh, Amazingly, quite a few of you uh, have listened to the stories and I'm genuinely shocked at how many people have downloaded it from all over the world as well. So it's been a really good response and uh, has spurred me on to continue it. So I hope you're enjoying it. So this next uh, incident was um, a call that came in one night. By this time, I had about um, six months maybe in the job. And I say the job because in the UK, um, universally, being in the police is known as the job. And in circles, if you're out somewhere and you're chatting to someone, you kind of say, oh, what are you doing? And they say, well, I'm in the job. You're almost trying to see if that person is a police officer because uh, certainly as far as I know, the job in the UK is the police. Um, You don't have to say what job. If you just say you're in the job, people around you, other cops will know you're in the police. So we quite often refer to as, you know, being in the job or job talk if you're talking about police stuff, basically. Just a a little matter of fact there. So i had been in about six months at this point, a little bit more confident, uh, been to quite a few varied things. At this point, I hadn't really been to anyone sort of overtly with a weapon. We had, uh, you know, you get lots of calls. Um, 999 calls, emergency calls, um, a lot of them are false, sometimes deliberately, you know, kids ringing up thinking it's fun to see a cop car or a fire engine turn up on blue lights. And a lot of the time it's it's genuine, you know, it's it's with good intent. Someone's in hanging around the garage or whatever, and someone rings in and says, I'm not really sure about this guy. I think this is a bit suspicious. So sure enough, you go along, have a chat with them, find out, you know, it's the garage owner, and actually they were just waiting for their friend or whatever. So genuine calls. A lot of the time, we would get calls to say, you know, this person has a weapon, I believe they have a knife, etc. And when you get there, it's actually not true. Uh, Rarer to get calls, or it certainly was at that point, um, that people are actually overtly carrying a weapon. But that's what this call was. This was a call to a place called the Barton, which was a pedestrianized sort of shopping uh, area, if you like. Uh, Concrete walkways down the middle, shops either side, very run down. The Barton had a bit of a Um, a reputation, you know, as not being a great place, uh, a lot of sort of poverty there and a few issues, you know, drugs, drink, etc. So it's called to Barton, male in the street with a machete. Um, And this came in from about three or four different callers, independent witnesses. So this makes you think there's something in this, you know, this isn't all these people got together to make this up. This is almost certainly actually happening. So we go racing off to the call. bit longer of a blue light run, this one. It was on the outskirts of the town, so it took a little while to get to. And there was a mixture of town centre sort of blue light runs, busier traffic, and then it opens out into rural roads and dual carriageways, which in the UK, you know, is the much sort of faster two or three lane, like motorways, but maybe not quite as big uh, roads. So there was some quite high speeds involved. This was probably, um, certainly at that point, the, the fastest I'd ever been driven. And there was a lot of cars going it's always comforting you know when a call like this comes in you think am i the only car going and then you start hearing the call sign saying yeah show me to that i'm attending and this came in probably four or five different double crew cars were going to this call because of the nature of it now uh, any uh, cops that have been in recently will be listening to this and going i can't believe you actually had four or five cars available well back in those days and i sound old now don't i but you know, there actually was some resources. There was some people about. We had a lot more numbers and a lot more police. So anyway, quite comforting that there was a lot going to this. So we go racing up to this scene. And at the end of the Barton, where the pedestrianised walkway stopped, there was a roundabout. And sure enough, stood in the road by this roundabout, um, was this guy with a machete. Um, Drunk, maybe drugged, certainly very aggressive. Uh We were about the second car there. Um, machete held above his head in a very aggressive motion you know ready to chop he's shouting and swearing and threatening the cops that are there there was maybe two or four cops there and they were kind of loosely standing around him in a circle and as more and more cops arrived so we fanned out around him in a sort of moving perimeter sort of circular perimeter and what was happening was he was approaching us and he would shout and swear and engage with one of us and, and raise the uh, the machete as if you know he was going to attack you more but he was sort of 20 feet off so you would back off and then the circle behind him would tighten up so the cops would get closer in behind um, and in terms of tactics there was no like approved tactic at that point of of how you deal with someone like this really um, certainly in that in that moving perimeter no one ever showed us how to do that it just seemed a natural thing to do and the reality is that's what happened a lot of the time you know you you sort of just did what felt right and it wasn't really formalised. And I remember um and also our sort of OST training, our officer safety training was well, it, it had barely started at that point, but it was uh it was very defensive, you know, um police are always We're just starting to become concerned about sort of optics and how things look to the public when you deal with someone, even someone really violent, you know, with a weapon, which, let's face it, could easily cause horrific injuries. Unfortunately, later in my career, I saw the injuries machetes can do, you know, horrible weapons, sharp and heavy with a bit of weight behind them. They can literally lop limbs off. And certainly I saw, unfortunately, stomachs opened up on several occasions when people have been slashed across the belly, you know, um, really horrible weapons. Um, I can't say I liked dealing with those at all. So, yeah, there was nothing formal. It was very defensive. It was all about, um, you know, holds and handcuffing and blocks and things like this. But, you know, you really don't want to block a machete strike with your arm for obvious reasons. It's not going to end well. So around about this time, we were just starting to get some some perhaps more offensive training where we were able to more sort of overtly deal with with these people and I remember the first, I mean, a lot of the sort of old sweats people that've been in the police a long time were kind of grumbling, you know, why do we need that stuff? You know, we, we've always dealt with it. Why do we need training into this? We're not, you know, karate kid. And there was, a, there was a few naysayers to say the least. But I remember the very first trainer that I ever had, he kind of stepped up, raised his fists at us at the beginning of the course, showed us each one of his fists and said, apparently some people need more than Ronnie and Reggie referring to his fists. And that was a referral back to the... Ronnie and Reggie Cray, the the infamous uh, sort of gangster criminal twins from the 60s in London. That's what he called his fist, Ronnie and Reggie. Um, so he was saying, so I'm going to show you some ways of dealing with things. Uh, it did make me chuckle that, you know, he'd named his fist Ronnie and Reggie, but no, that's just how it was. He was one of, one of the Jobs characters, I think it's fair to say. So... We'd had this training in uh, one of the moves that had been shown to us. And I have to say, I I was kind of a little bit sceptical as well, was a sweeping leg kick. And it did look like something out of a a martial arts show. And basically the intention was that ideally you'd surprise the person. So if he was speaking to one of your colleagues and they'd come and need to perform this sort of move, you basically stepped in um, and kicked him hard. I mean, as hard as you could and as fast as you could. And the sort of target zone was the middle of his calf Um, and the idea was that you sort of swept his legs out from under him hence the name um so that was one of the things we've been shown now in training you know we saw a couple of videos and of course again in training oh it looked brilliant perfect and it did exactly what it should do of course we had a go in training and invariably because your friend was waiting for it and you know obviously it was training so the kick wasn't as hard It, it didn't seem that effective but it was one that you know you sort of put away in the memory banks um so so we had that, you know, as as part of our armory to deal with these things. And it was funny on the way to this job that I, I thought it was uh it, it was a strange it's a strange job that it was really the police because here you are kind of trying to race to the scene of this very, you know, serious job and potentially dangerous job. Um, and you were almost trying to outdo your friends, you know, you're racing there, your blue lights are on, your heel, these these um, call signs, you know, saying that they're going too. so it becomes almost bizarrely a jolly boys outing. And it was like, you're racing to get there first, um, you know, and I was thinking, what other job in the world, you know, do you drive, you know, oh, let me drive faster. I want to get the kick in first. I want to be seriously injured. Let me get there first. It's a bizarre scenario that you're driving faster and faster to get to this dangerous thing so that you can be there first. And almost things can happen to you first. It's, it's probably fairly unique in that point. I don't think many other people kind of try and outdo each other to drive faster to this very dangerous, you know, sort of violent situation. But, you know, that it is what it is. That's, that's kind of how it works. And, and that's what the public would expect of us. I assume, you know, um, somebody, there is nobody else to deal with these people. So ultimately it will fall down to the police. So anyway, I digress slightly. So here we are in this moving sort of perimeter around this guy by now there's about maybe 10 of us in a circle around this guy he's in the middle and he's turning from one to the other raising the, the machete and sort of advancing with it above his head in like a chopping motion ready to sort of slash at someone and that cop would invariably would back off and so the, t- the circle would tighten up behind him and get in closer behind him maybe with a view to doing something at this point even though he was kind of drunk he would realise that the cops were closing in behind him, the circle, so he would turn immediately and kind of charge towards someone and they would back off and then the circle behind him would kind of move in, you know, so it was this ebbing and flowing circle. And uh, this continued for about 10 minutes and to be honest with you, I was thinking at this point, I don't really know how this is going to come to a conclusion because we're not going to go away, he doesn't look like he's about to give up and the cops were trying to engage with him and speak to him but he was beyond listening, you know, there was no talking to this guy. And I was thinking, you know, this is going to need someone, one of us to end this, but I'm not really quite sure how. And it's going to need someone to step up and and get closer to him. Ultimately, you know, we didn't have the luxury of incapacitant sprays and tasers and baton guns. And I think all those things are fantastic, really. And they've actually saved a lot of lives, both police officers and, you know, suspects, because, you know, up until that point, all you had was firstly, you had to get within striking range of whoever it was that had the weapon. So there's a very high chance you are going to get hit by a machete or whatever the weapon was because, you know, you have to get close enough to deal with him and and therefore you are very much on offer. Um, Whereas, of course, or the other option was basically hitting them on the head with a baton or a truncheon. But, of course, that creates a very real risk for them. You know, you can imagine if you hit someone hard on the head, that could be fatal or certainly create serious injuries. Um, so now we've got the ability in modern day times with taser and baton guns, you know, and incapacitor spray, CS, Parva, et cetera, to step off and actually be, um, you know, have a bit of distance. So it creates that safety, but also the person has short-term pain. You know, I've been pepper sprayed and CS both on purpose and by mistake um, during training on live incidents. Invariably, you'll get some on you and I can tell you it really hurts, you know. Um, and certainly taser clearly, is five second burst of 50,000 volts. You know, absolute agony. The whole body stiffens up. Someone locks into position and falls invariably, hopefully, like a tree onto the floor. So they have terrific pain for a few seconds. But the reality is then people are on them. They're getting handcuffed, being restrained. And that's it. There's no further injury to them. Whereas if you go and hit them straight on the head with a baton, um, you know, They could die. Likewise, if I have to get close enough, I can hit them with my baton. If they've got a machete, for example, then obviously I am within striking range. So I honestly think all those range of things we have now. And although, again, old school cops will tell you, well, you look a bit like Tackleberry, you know, with all these bits hanging off your belt and you've got tasers and body armour and all this. But, you know, things evolve, you know, we move forward. And as I say, I think all those things have, have given cops, you know, some good options and is is ultimately safer all round. Unfortunately, occasionally it goes horribly wrong, you know, and people have died as a result of these things. But I think far more would have died um, without on both sides, you know, without the use of those things. Anyway, again, I digress and we'll go back to Mr. Machete. So there is this evolving, moving sort of perimeter around him, ebbing and flowing, him threatening cops, them backing off, the ones behind closing up. And so this went on. Anyway, around about this point, one of my uh, uh, colleagues at the back, as he came forward and basically was you know, doing his raising of, of the machete, Chris, a friend of mine, closed in really tight and very fast behind him and amazingly, and in, in fact to everyone's amazement, performed the most perfect sweeping leg kick we'd ever seen. The contact point was ideal. The guy was taken completely by surprise. Um, his boots sort of made contact with the middle of this guy's calf. And because it was surprising and as fast and as hard as he could do, it was just brilliant. He was completely upended, this guy. And he ended up landing flat on his back on the road, which is obviously quite hard. And the impact of him landing on his back was enough for him to both hit his head and his hand on the ground hard enough that it did shock him. And he dropped the machete and it sort of clattered away from his hand. Well, this is all the... Uh, chance we needed trust me everyone knew this was our chance and everyone closed in very quickly so you had this almost comical moment where you've now got uh, 10 cops running at this guy and literally leaping on him and it becomes almost like a, a bundle like you might have had at school everyone just jumps on and grabs a bit and again it always makes you laugh because you know in training it's nice and slow so I take the arm like this and twist the wrist like this and you just clip a handcuff on and then the reality is In this scenario, he goes down on the floor. We all just leap on and grab a bit, any bit you can. Um, And sometimes in in the sort of bundle, uh, I've seen all sorts of weird things happen. I've even seen cops have grabbed a wrist or a leg or anything and have just slapped a cuff on anywhere they can. And I've actually seen um, other cops handcuffed you know, because there's been a collection of wrists and arms and, and you know, a gaggle of, of limbs flailing about trying to get hold of this person. And certainly in one scenario, I've, yeah, a colleague got handcuffed by another colleague, I would say a fairly inexperienced colleague who's panicked and just handcuffed the first thing he's seen, which was his friend. So that was pretty amusing. But um, anyway, in this scenario, a bit of a bundle, grabbed hold of the guy. Thankfully, the machetes clattered away. He's been handcuffed, and that's it, job done. Um, so. Uh, It was a real, you know, uh, wake up call, I suppose, that actually we could do sort of over uh, tactics. Um, And as I say, absolutely, that saved us all serious injury and members of the public as well, because because of the time of night, there wasn't many people about. But obviously there could have been. Um, And it's one thing, you know, police being attacked, but members of the public being attacked, you know, it's absolutely the last thing we want. So this tactic, you know, had it been, you know, this was the days before mobile phones really were in sort of common use. So no one filmed it. There was no photos taken. We just saw it. But I think had uh, anyone seen that really, I, I think most people would have been hard pushed to say that was over the top from a police point of view. You know, this guy could have killed us. And basically he ended up with a few bruises and being handcuffed. That was it, you know. So really it was the best case scenario for us. Um so there we go. That was that one. Mail with a machete the machete at the Barton. My first uh, sort of weapon in the street, if you like. Unfortunately, it was the first of, of many. And we've got a few more of those stories to come as well. Uh, so hope you're enjoying it. Hope you, uh, you keep coming back and still listening. By all means, uh, subscribe and follow and, and uh, come back. I say around about once a week, I release one, sometimes more. But that's what I'm aiming for, depending on uh, life getting in the way. Anyway, thanks for your time. Hope you enjoyed it. Take it easy. See you next week. Bye.